0: I don't know how to start this so welcome to queer Halftime. <laughs> my name is becca i use she they pronouns uh my name is kelsey i also use she they pronouns nice this is very like original queer Halftime of us it is it is
1: um i even did research so whoa <laughs> and the world? by research i mean i just i started looking up stuff for other episodes and then i fell down a rabbit hole and found this like really good lecture that i just watched mm. for the last like half hour um so now we're gonna talk about it I feel like that's how you, we get the best episodes, though.
0: Yeah. It's the rabbit holes. All right. Oh, yeah. Ready to fall with you. So what do you know about morality squads? I know what the word morality and what the word squad mean. There you go. Don't right. know. <laughs> I'm sure if you put them together, they mean something awful. They sure do. And that's what we're going to talk about. I love that.
1: Um. So Canada has had, like, versions of morality squads since, like, the end of, like, the 1800s. And we're not talking, like, police yes we are oh okay (laughs) just kidding so um oh yeah so like and like you know morality squads have been used for all kinds of things like you know during prohibition there was like focuses on like people who were drinking or like Mm -hmm. on gambling and stuff but like one of the really big focuses was always um the sexuality of women and girls Mm. right so like measuring skirt lengths like there was this thing like People would watch really closely if a guy bought you a drink and then you went and danced with him. Like if you're walking with some guy at night, like, you know, stuff like that. Like it was very like women were inherently suspicious, especially like young women and teen girls. So
0: is this like a squad of the police or is this how the police got started?
1: No, no, no. So this is like a squad of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's like, I mean, it varies from place to place, right? Um, Like in the US, it was a little different. They also had like morality and like vice squads for a long mm-hmm. time. But, yeah, generally speaking, they're from the police. And, like, it is still really early days police. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is kind of, it is a government type thing. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we've got, like, lo- like the regular RCMP members. And then you've got the RCMP members that are on the morality squad. Basically.
1: Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, there was also, like, a focus on, like, you know, if a girl was getting a little too flirty with her best friend. We better calm down there.
0: Um,
1: yeah no because like lesbians were also absolutely not not moral no no all completely immoral Mm. but like it really gets reshaped in the 30s and 40s and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about um specifically in montreal because that's where Mm -hmm. all this information was from you i just have to make
0: one yeah small thing yeah did you realize that in a few years you're gonna have to just like Yes, say yes, if you mean the 1930s or the yeah. 2030s it's or like if wild. you're talking about
1: the aughts it's like are we talking about like 110 years ago or 10 years ago yeah yeah anyways I just had a moment I know time is passing and I hate it yeah uh cool great so yes there is always this focus on girls and then in the 30s and 40s boys started to also be immoral well yeah <laughs> like there was this huge shift towards youth mm. right so like you had during the war like the dads were gone. They were fighting. The mums were like working for the first time. Right. And this was all seen as like super patriotic, but also negligent. Right. Oh yeah. Cause like women were joining the workforce. So they aren't at home. Um, like teens were starting to get jobs, including teen girls, like in the service industry, mm-hmm. like hotels okay. and servers. And like, that was inherently super suspicious. Um, and it was this whole thing about like, who's minding the children
0: right block parents because i listened to a lot the last <laughs> couple episodes so i know i love things. it but this so, is pre-block okay. um this is more like the nosy bitch up the street
1: um who ratted you out to the morality squad Great, <laughs> uh but no because like right because all the men were off fighting mm-hmm. so someone had to be you know doing all the factory work and stuff yep. like that so that was where women went in um and then like a lot of teens had to support rakes were also um coming out of the great depression so like it's this whole confluence of things interesting and there was this huge huge panic about juvenile crime and delinquency Mm. right and from what i found it's like massively overstated like there wasn't a huge increase there was just more of a police focus
0: interesting right because if you don't have parents to punish the children you know who should punish the children the police okay (laughs) yeah
1: so like (laughs) you joke but (laughs) i mean it's basically what happens right so like um curfew laws were seen as like home builders right because they're like kids get in trouble when they're out late so like 10 p.m you better be home right
0: interesting yeah
1: um and curfew laws actually lasted until like the 60s and then like some were actually brought back later on Mm -hmm um but yes there was this massive massive panic and it was hugely overblown um yeah and like someone had to look out for the kids so it was the cops (laughs) (laughs) and there was also of course like a massive focus on like working class areas right it wasn't they weren't as worried about you know the rich people the rich neighborhoods and like the suburbs and stuff
0: right yeah because obviously (laughs) so this is class driven yeah i'm gonna guess it's probably somewhat race driven oh so we're gonna get to that great (laughs) um (laughs) so it doesn't feel moral
1: at all (laughs) well no it's it's a very specific white head kind of of definition of morality which is how it's always been right So, yeah, and so there were, like, you know, really young kids sometimes, like, selling coal or newspapers or, like, sticks that they found for fires. Like, just, yeah, like, young, young kids, and they were, like, as young as 11 getting fined, well, and then, they were paid paying taxes. Well, and because they were going, they were breaking the law, right? So it was a fine. Um, it was one of those things about, like, it's, <laughs> it's only illegal if you don't have money to pay the fine, kind of like speeding tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really anything with a fine it's like if you're rich doesn't matter yeah but yeah so kids as young as 11 were like getting fined and if they didn't pay the fine they were sent to like detention halls which was seen as you know gentler than prison but it still removed them from the home right Mm -hmm. um but what i find really interesting is canada's age like the current age of criminal responsibility is 12 Mm -hmm. so like by our standards now these kids could not be charged with anything like it used to be seven. Yeah.
0: But... <laughs>
1: Whoa. <laughs> oh, think of
0: the seven-year-old you know getting charged. With... Okay.
1: <laughs> but like, I then fell down like an adjacent rabbit hole about criminal age of responsibility in various countries, and it's wild. Um, is there anywhere that there... it's zero? Yes. What? Yeah. This should be a whole other. Episode well, and there's there's so in Iran, it's based on sex, so girls can be charged at a much younger age than boys which I find interesting. Yeah. Interesting is carrying a lot of weight in that sense. Yeah. (laughs) Not interesting in a good way. Yeah. Well, and then there's some that have like exceptions of like you, you know, between like under this age, you can only be, you know, receive these kinds of consequences unless it's like you kill someone or like are extremely violent, like, and then there's different ones, but still not the same as if you were an adult and like. Just giving a blanket age at which you can be charged with a crime is like so
0: dangerous well
1: so Canada yeah basically under 12 you can't be sent to jail or anything um and then you know between 12 and 17 is where we see like you know the young offenders and like then 18 plus see 20. this
0: is why if anybody remembers the old 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 Halloween movie you could, like that kid didn't go to jail and I think he was under 12. And well, he was he... also mentally ill, so well, that was a separate. Listen, I was just trying to be like, you can't paint every kid with the same breast. Some of them, <laughs> Michael Myers killers, was a serial, so. <laughs> like also not a real person.
1: So yeah, I think that's okay for me to say. Yeah, because the other thing with yeah. criminal responsibility is whether people are mentally well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, back to what, so mor- morality. Anyway, yeah. So eleven-year-old kids getting
0: fined for selling sticks because of the morality squad. Yeah. What would they like? What are they fining them on? Like i i think it's like not having a business license kids are like out of the home what do they need money for
1: like you should be in school you should be you know doing your chores like you know what are you doing on the streets like in the evening you know kind of that sort of thing um yeah (laughs)
0: okay well don't sell sticks on the streets kids
1: yeah so then in 1936 um the juvenile morality squad kind of really came into oh that sounds fun (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. well because like i said there was this huge shift to youth during the war and like shortly after i guess that makes sense because they're the only people that you can still control well yeah they're the only people you can still control and they have significantly less um supervision than Mm -hmm. they used to right because again mom's working dad's getting fucking shot at in the trenches like and then you just got the youth yeah older siblings are working or again in the trenches like so yeah there's significantly less supervision and also with that more
0: freedom but it's like if you're shutting down the businesses for the stick selling kids how do you expect them to pay the fine well then they go to detention halls
1: i don't think they've had that much forethought I, it sure was they just did, we want yeah. this small dirty child off the street and to give us money Yeah. That they don't have. So they don't do it again. Mm. Because how dare they sell coal? (laughs) So yeah, so girls' sexuality had been regulated for quite a long time, but they hadn't really bothered with boys until the 40s. -hmm. And one of the big things that made them start focusing on boys was during the war, there was a massive increase in venereal disease, which VD is an STI. Yes. So that was spreading quite a bit. And including, you know, among teen boys, right? They were also kind of, like, viewed so, like, previously, girls were viewed as, like, you know, little temptresses floozies. and floozies. Floozies. Uh, but now, some boys were starting to be seen as more predatory and, like, floozies. convincing these nice young girls to, you know, leave home and have sex with them and all these terrible things. So even, like, teenage couples that were, like, home um, Not homosexual. (laughs) Ah! That was different. Heterosexual and consenting and like, yeah, all good, were being followed and interrogated. And like, it was, yeah, there was massive, massive surveillance. So there was also, speaking of homosexuality, in 1946, there was, and this is a quote by one of the people, a homosexuality crisis with homosexual rings.
0: I am in a homosexuality crisis every day of my life. I know, but that's that's different.
1: Um, And like the whole thing was homosexuality was intrinsically tied with delinquency and crime. And not just like the crime of homosexuality, but like you were more likely to just- Do do crime? Do crime. You were more likely to be gay and do crime? For real. Yeah, (laughs) be gay, do crime was like, in the minds of the morality squad, people were like, yes, this, then this. So this is something else that we've reclaimed is what you're telling me. Yeah, no, you didn't realize that be gay, do crime was reclaimed but it was
0: because they actually thought we were being gay and doing crime
1: well yeah like and not just the crime of being gay like that we were thieving like, that we trying. were cheating that we were Be being gay, gay do this crime and some others seducing
0: other people into the <laughs> gay
1: lifestyle that's a lot of like was yeah. the time like, i know right well apparently we delinquent
0: youths have <laughs> the time <laughs> they don't know if you like and i think that's the funniest Well, because no, they're of selling gold. Yeah. <laughs> like they're well, they shut down the stick business so they've got more, yeah. time to so be now they have more time
1: to make other kids
0: gay i think that's so funny because if you look at it now it's like the adults are grooming the youth but at one well, point part part of time it, you tried to blame the youth on for grooming the youth and like part of it was also like adults that had
1: were also gay were like oh, also cr- criminals but i think it's hilarious but yes yeah, because yeah, no.
0: it's like you just you just well, because they blamed everybody for grooming the youth they wanted to nip it in the bud and exactly. before they could become adult oh. criminals when they were still youth delinquents well guess why? you didn't nip it in the bud and now here we are
1: yeah right with all these <laughs> gay delinquents
0: <laughs> <laughs> which we now view as our personality trait right so like look what you did you yeah. created this
1: um yeah there is also a big crackdown on quote-unquote cross-dressing young men right because montreal had like a whole gay yeah. subculture and of course in that was you know cross-dressing and drag and then of course trans people that were confused for yeah right Because so we didn't have you know yeah,
0: the language. same
1: terminology
0: yeah.
1: um yeah like the whole the term like transvestite as a term only came into being in the 40s mm-hmm. right we talked about magnus hirschfeld and his institute i can't remember if you were on that episode i wasn't uh well me and Paige talked about it <laughs> and you know all the pictures you see of nazi book burnings yeah those were his research yeah yeah he was the ones who did the
0: first like gender Assignment surgeries and And like apparently, yeah. I was reading something the other day that like was kind of connecting, and this is like a whole different wormhole, but was connecting like the rise in anti Semitism with like the rise on anti trans and anti queer rhetoric. And like, apparently, the first thing the Nazis burnt down was his center for sexual and gender.
1: Yeah, so that was one of the first things he was also Jewish. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. and he was very like an outspoken advocate for gay people, like, he was a gay man himself um and he was surrounded by all these you know trans people and all this um but you talk about the whole like gay and jewish thing but like so we're gonna talk about this was all this rabbit hole came about because i want to talk about the lavender scare Mm -hmm. and part of that was that gay people and commies were the same Mm -hmm. all gay people were commies many commies were likely gay interesting yeah it was a whole thing but and in that the other thing is commies were also jewish right so like those things and like it's about power the gays don't have time to be all these things well and it's not so you and I talked about this the other day and it's like it's not necessarily about the identity of the like it's not the identity necessarily that you hate mm-hmm. right like even Hitler had a Jewish there was a Jewish doctor that he got out right yeah We did before that. you know all the things happened because he knew exactly what he was about to do. He was like, no, this one doctor's fine. Cause he helped mm-hmm. my mom, but all the rest of the Jewish people are going to be my scapegoats uh, because it's not actually about the,
0: Jewish, you know, people. the yeah. Jewish
1: people or the Roma or the gays, or, you yeah. know, the disabled. It's about power yeah, and scapegoats and the marginalized of society being easy scapegoats.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a whole other thing.
0: <laughs> oh, that's
1: an episode. That's like a four hour long. Ep- that's like a workshop actually. That's, as I was looking into this, I ended up with like, okay, this is going to be an episode and this is going to be an yeah. episode. It's like, So it's a whole thing.
0: It's wild because there's so much that like you don't, we don't hear about. I didn't know what the morality squad was even a thing. I yeah. thought it was just, I truly thought that like when, even when you mentioned it earlier that we were going to talk about this, I thought this was just like a self-appointed squad of like white parents. No, it was the Clippers, You know, like I didn't realize yeah. that this was actually like a subset of the police. Yeah. No. And
1: speaking of the police one of the things they did to make sure these youth were really easy to survey uh, specifically the boys was what this um, lecturer called the sports solution so basically police organized boys sports like hockey boxing football they also did like music and they were held like they met in police stations and the jerseys were like police colors and like the cops took them to like pro hockey games and stuff which was great for these kids but like and they were like oh it teaches them about teamwork and community and blah 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 but it also um as this lecturer says um it gave them quote an appreciation for the friendly neighborhood policeman, which is deeply insidious mm-hmm. which the fact that this woman is calling that in 2008 I thought was quite ahead of the curve. A hundred percent. She's been paying attention. Um, But yeah, Tamara Myers sounds cool.
0: But yeah, so if you've ever worked like, and that is so like real life, because if you've ever worked with high risk youth or youth receiving services in a big Mm -hmm. urban center, like say Edmonton, you will know that the police still do this really cute thing where they infiltrate a basketball and I say infiltrate but they go play play Mm -hmm. basketball with all the neighborhood high-risk youths yeah and it's like and they do it under the guise of all like you know being friends with them but I have seen those exact same people that I have played basketball with with the high-risk youth turn around and arrest the same high-risk yeah so it's like this because they heard something at that basketball court
1: well yeah it's not like oh and then this
0: youth that i built a relationship robbed a liquor store and i caught them like it yeah yeah. it's like this youth said something to me in a confident safe what i deemed as a safe space and i'm using it against them so it's like the fact that that's well and it still happens
1: well it's like those pictures you see of cops marching in pride parades or like there was one i saw it was quite some time ago and it was like cops and people along the side i think it was a pride parade um we're like spraying each other with water guns and mm-hmm. it was like haha isn't this so fun look at canadian cops like right and it was very copaganda
0: you mm-hmm.
1: no go for it we have lots of time that's i had very few notes you i just wanted to get your
0: thoughts <laughs> do that out like mm-hmm. this whole cop thing i think this has to be a whole episode mm-hmm. at some point because i think like We talk about this a lot Mm -hmm. as people that plan events for the queer community Mm -hmm. in a conservative world. And there are ways, if you are a gay cop that wants to participate in Pride, take off your fucking uniform. Yeah. And participate as a civilian. Yeah. That also means don't turn around and use things that you've gathered at that as a civilian too. It's the same as like um, Like, gay military members. Yeah, it's like you can still, like nobody is saying don't be there. What we're saying is what you represent when you are sitting in that uniform is a person of power that has done considerable damage to the community that you are trying to put yourself into. Well, and so I heard a really interesting
1: perspective of it because I was always like, you know, how do queer people and racialized people and like, all these people that are so shit on by cops and military then go and join those. Mm-hmm. And then it was put to me like, well, those are, especially the military is like unquestioningly respected. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a way for these people who get shit on constantly to sort of achieve respect yeah, and get treated like a fucking person.
0: Which is so wild because I think that that's also why a lot of cis straight white people join Mm. the military is under the thought that they need that respect that they don't get anywhere else you know what i mean and it's like it's so interesting to think that like like yeah like there's a like the difference in people that are in these positions
1: well then you get into like the deeply predatory recruiting practices right like showing up to high schools with like you know 16 17 year olds and being like oh it's like a video game here let's play cod together yeah like oh you can't afford to go to university well we'll pay for
0: it yeah like oh you live in poverty guess what trade us your life oh uh, yeah where I'm from in New Brunswick is my parents are retired military so I feel like I can talk about this pretty openly but go for it. where I'm from in New Brunswick is very known for being I mean I think most of New Brunswick is very known for being full of like military individuals but um particularly where i went to college is like it's wild because military people kind of like come in and come out very fluently there Mm. um and they get posted there often for a couple weeks or like a week or like whatever and like they're known as a group like they're known among the femme presenting people in that community as predators yeah there's not one like you can't i don't think i know anybody that i went to college with that did not feel unsafe around Mm -hmm. like in a bar that's full of military guys like you avoid the bars that all the military people are at because you know that they're insecure and that they're like women military
1: people women like there was a documentary and i cannot life me remember what it was called but it was about the sexual assault of women in the military by their colleagues Mm -hmm. right and like it interviewed these
0: women and like you know there were permanent injuries and shit um they also are not as like and maybe and like obviously things i'm sure have changed
1: but they like i don't know canada yeah. is in the midst of a reckoning with that right like that's the last true. couple years yeah that's been a huge topic for those of you who aren't canadian yeah. um about sexual assault in the military of both members of the military and
0: locals i remember when i was in um high school that military member in Ontario it was like this big like true crime thing Mm. because like there was this like military member in Ontario that had like killed a girl or like was like being a peeping Tom and then like there was like all of this like it became like this massive like true crime thing and it was all over the news and it's like in the podcasts I listened to and I think it's like there's this
1: is it bad that i'm like i don't remember which specific one that was because there have been a couple yeah
0: of... it was in like northern ontario oh, okay. i'm sure you would know oh, i can okay, picture yeah. his face i just can't remember what his freaking name is um he looks like every other military guy surprise That's right. but i think that there's this like thought that like these people are like vetted to the nines like oh you no know what not I mean? At all. like yeah but it's like nobody i don't know that people realize that like the military in particular i'm like the like it's a job right like so like there's a little bit but it's not
1: like it's really not very discerning but I think my favorite I follow this one veteran on TikTok who was talking about you know who basically talked about that right Mm -hmm. and he was like you know military 18 year olds are still 18 year olds I saw guys put on body armor and ram each other I saw Mm -hmm. young medics in training using like syringes as darts at each other's <laughs> chests <laughs> like yeah. you know people mm. tying a rope between them and running away from one another like playing oh this recruit left his you know rifle somewhere let's all fan out like the Boy Scouts yeah and try to find it who knows if it's loaded he doesn't remember he's 18 and just kind of set it down somewhere yeah
0: like and like it's so this is something that I kind of trip over because I'm I think I'm always in that position where I'm like I don't want to like actually badmouth anybody but i'm going to in this regard um it's a sensitive thing for me to talk about but like yeah my biological father mm-hmm. is retired military and is extremely mentally unwell mm-hmm. um and the fact that he was able to even like when i'm like they don't even vet people like it's like the fact that he was able to get in there um is kind of mind-blowing to me um the fact that he was given a weapon is kind of Mm -hmm. mind-blowing to me um he was medicated on like some pretty wild antidepressants Mm -hmm. that and antipsychotics that he regularly stopped taking um and he was a member of the airborne regiment before they disbanded and the airborne regiment disbanded because they would drop into third world countries or global south sorry um countries and just like do really awful things to Mm -hmm. people And then they were just disbanded quietly and nobody ever talked about it. Yeah. And it's like the fact that that these things happen and my dad retired Mm -hmm. from the military. Yeah, So is considered a veteran, Mm. even though he was a part of a lot of not good stuff. Yeah. Still gets to reap the benefits of, well, I am a veteran. The
1: social benefits for right (laughs) aren't very many financial benefits no but um, which is another issue but like even my dad was um he never saw combat but he Mm -hmm. was artillery yeah um and some of the stories he told me i'm like how the fuck did you guys even survive training yeah like they were so young and so stupid like there were so (laughs) when the military stopped using phosphorus weapons Mm -hmm. um they had to get rid of them all Mm -hmm. and so they just kind of exploded them all in a canyon Um, And all the guys were like watching because it was a light show, right? Because that's the point of phosphorus gives off light. Um, And yeah, so they were inhaling all this fucking phosphorus. And like, yes, there was that. Or like he fell out of a helicopter once or Mm -hmm. like they were doing an artillery training thing and like they were sleeping at one end of the field and all of a sudden they woke up to being fired upon by the other trainees who had miscalculated, Mm -hmm. right? Just because, yeah, it's a whole thing. I'm convinced he has CTE
0: between that and hockey. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of wild because yeah. So like after my dad was after the airborne regiment disbanded, bandit, he became a medic. Yeah. So like, and he never like, so he didn't see combat. So he never like fought in a war. He did a lot of overseas training and drills mm-hmm. and stuff, which is how he was part of such, you know, not great stuff. Yeah. Um, But it's like, and like, you know, I would be like, we should bring somebody onto the podcast with military experience, but this might shock you or it might not. Um, Neither of us, both of us are no contact with our retired military parents. Isn't
1: that weird? I do have a cousin whose husband is leaving the military for medical reasons. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can get Scott on. Um.
0: (laughs) I think that it's important like to even like draw attention to how uncomfortable that we are talking about this because even though we know the trauma that comes with like the military and the police and stuff, we both like, we have people that are involved in those really toxic systems Mm -hmm. and we are very aware. Like, I think what it's important to draw attention to is the fact that we as community members that have experienced trauma at the result of like at the hands of these systems are still terrified to speak out against them. Mm. You know, like we're still tripping over ourselves. We're doing it. But we're still like, "Uh, how do I say this without it, you know, we were talking palatable. We were (laughs) talking about the cops and
1: like a, it's just like some, I can't remember how it came up, but like you left and me and Terry were just chatting. And Mm -hmm. I I looked at Terry and I'm like, I made some joke and was like, I will radicalize you, Terry, just wait. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, you absolutely will not. I'm like, just give me time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think because like, I don't know people like terry who are trying to get us to work with versus against i think are the people that keep us grounded in the fact that unfortunately us two humans the thing or us four humans at out loud are not going to dismantle the entire canadian military um we'll try but we
1: probably can't do it just us speaking of policing and stuff just to kind of go back to where we were yeah um So a lot of the surveillance methods and the curfews and like all of the things they developed like with the morality squad for like, you know, these youth, like Mm -hmm. a lot of them were white, right? Are now being redirected towards racialized youth, like, you know, curfews for indigenous kids, right? To keep them quote unquote out of trouble. Um, And like surveillance of, we see like surveillance of black youth and brown youth, right? And like getting pulled over constantly or like the carding issue, Mm -hmm right and for people who are like what's carding um it's the term we use here in canada i think there's another term in the states but basically it's stopping predominantly racialized young men um, for no reason Mm -hmm. just they're going about their day um and getting their id and putting it in the system right Mm -hmm. again have not done anything even remotely suspicious yeah right sitting at a picnic table, having lunch, walking to work, could be anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And they stop them and they get their ID. And now they're in the system, right? And they have not committed any crime. They have not been suspected of any crime. And so that's what carding is. And it's been an ongoing fight. So like Desmond Cole um, is a former journalist who then wrote a book. Um, He was actually fired or like forced out by the star because journalists can't also be activists even though one of his white colleagues was had previously been like lauded for her activism Mm -hmm. um it was a whole thing you should read um i think it's the skin i'm in um but it's wonderful um but he really goes into carding and things like that but yeah so like they practice this surveillance Mm -hmm. and now it's being you know the stuff they used um you know at cruising sites to like pick up gay men and, like get them to confess and out all their other friends like that's now being turned on which
0: is so interesting and really kind of shows how much about power this is because mm-hmm. the people that they've turned these things onto are the people that they unfortunately they already had Systems of power in place to suppress mm-hmm. those communities. Well, they had, at the time, they, so they had didn't other need that. even more effective systems. That's what I'm at saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, so they didn't need that stuff then. But now it's like, you know, everybody's. We still have residential schools. Yeah, 50s. so you didn't need to put in a curfew for the Indigenous youth. And now it's like, oh, well, now the Indigenous youth don't sit in residential schools. Mm-hmm. So we got to make sure they don't sit outside at night. Like loitering is a whole other thing
1: right because it was really brought about by like the increase of power among capitalists because they're like if you're not going to buy spend money here you can't
0: exist in public it's a whole thing but one thing that i really like and i think that we we talk we do this a lot like and if you don't watch the episodes you don't see this but we talk a lot in quotations when we talk about like high risk i try to like
1: yeah i try to like put a really
0: emphasis on my voice when i'm like yeah. Yeah. But like when we talk about like youth and like high risk behavior or doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing or keeping them out of trouble. It's so friggin like I love the way that we talk about that. But I think it's important for us to add some context, like you think of like the things that we consider high risk for Mm -hmm. youth; Those are just activities that as an adult, you just do to get pleasure out of life. Yeah. Like they're not actually high risk activities. If you are actually looking at the level of risk associated with a youth having sex, there's a lot of things that you don't know about that situation that go into the actual level of risk. So when we say high risk, we talk about like societally high risk. But to be honest, all of you youth listening, there is not one thing that you do that is more high risk to you than it is to me. Well, and the only thing that makes it high risk is like at that age, the poor
1: education on safer sex practices right like I mean I only as an adult like learned more about that kind of stuff right so that's the only difference in risk between like youth and adults is like the amount of information the
0: amount of information right on how to do things safely yeah and so like that's why I think we fight so hard Mm -hmm. to provide the kids information because they have the right to participate in things Mm -hmm. knowing The level of risk and to make their decision based on actual facts and not just based on what we think is risk wise,
1: like, too, like, even with drugs, it's the risk is partly information and partly that your brain isn't
0: done developing. Like, and most of the time when kids just don't know that, right? Like, you give them that information, like, just wait until you're this age to try it. Yeah.
1: Well, and like, you know, we advise waiting to this age, and this is why, mm -hmm. right? Because if you just tell a kid, do this, they, are less likely to listen than this is why i'm
0: asking you to do this thing because there's a difference between wanting power over somebody and actually caring about their Mm well-being i personally don't actually it does not impact it impacts me zero Mm -hmm. if any of our youth go out and have unsafe sex or use substances it really doesn't impact me at all Mm -hmm. but i care yeah which is why i don't actually care that they're doing it I care more about them being safe. And that's why we want to give them the information because it doesn't really actually impact us. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and like talking to them like people, right? Like the whole thing about the focus on youth is like, like with these morality squads, like, oh, they're these wayward youth. They don't know any better. If there aren't adults to tell them what to do, they're going to get into all kinds of trouble. They're all going to get VD and be criminals and sell sticks. Like... (laughs) (laughs) and turn the other kids gay turn the other kids gay um because there are no adults to tell them what to do right but like if you treat them like the what they are which is just tiny human beings whose brains are still developing and they haven't fully you know grasped consequences for Mm -hmm. actions but if you're like hey like we had a kid who I think it was on a dare like drank some hand sanitizer um and I found out and was like this is why I don't want you to do that again this is why that's incredibly yeah. harmful. And like I just laid out why it's bad, what would happen if they continue to do mm-hmm. it? And the kid looked at me like all freaked
0: out and was like, I'll never do it again. Oh my God. Like yeah. because if they have the information, they actually can make decisions. Yeah. Sound, logical decisions. The issue comes when you are trying to force decisions that you have made on them. Like mm-hmm. they are independent tiny beings, and you've got to let them be that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, adults get annoyed when kids are constantly asking why mm-hmm. and like sometimes when it's really little kids it's like i i don't have the answer like i don't know how to explain it if, if the kids like kids friendly you know yeah. well and it's like why is the sky this color oh because of this why because of this why i i don't know but we can look it up right mm-hmm. um and just kind of being real with kids right yeah and you know treating them like human beings who are capable of
0: thoughts and then you don't have to worry about them Participating in high risk behavior, and you don't need a morality squad, which you well, don't need. And anyways. that's so. Like when I was
1: younger, um we like we were allowed to. My brother and I were allowed to drink and go to parties mm-hmm. because we were told, like, this is how you keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. These are the ground rules for doing things mm-hmm. safely. Yeah, right. Like you can call us at any time and you will not get it can be three o'clock in the morning and we will come get you and you will not get in trouble yeah you will only get in trouble if you try to drive home or drive home with somebody who's under the influence right like you know go with your friends like keep Mm -hmm. an eye on it like rules for doing things safely and let me guess you didn't do anything stupid well and that's the thing i wasn't one of the kids who got to university and immediately got alcohol poisoning and I knew how to put my friends in recovery position. Yeah. And I knew like.
0: I you know. was the one not allowed to do these things. So I was doing them behind my parents back in the back seat of, or not even the back seat, in the bed of a pickup truck driven by somebody that should not have been driving. Oh, fun. Because, you know, yeah. and like, that's the difference. Because if you don't provide people the information, like, had I known how risky it was to get in the pickup truck yeah, while yeah. I had been drinking with somebody else, like in the driver's seat that I had been drinking, I would have never done it. Well, and but that's, I didn't know. And that's nope. I had
1: four friends in the first week of university mm-hmm. who had to go to the hospital for alcohol poisoning yeah. because they'd never been allowed. Like it was this taboo thing. Right. Yeah. And that's part of why, like. It's always really and a really interesting conversation when you talk to people about the legal drinking age, yeah. because when you raise it and like. There are arguments for lowering it, mm-hmm. right, even though you don't want young people drinking because of brain development if you make it an act of rebellion, they will do it and they will do it unsafely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So that's why St. Albert, I mean, I don't live here anymore. I'm not a youth here anymore. But when I was a youth, there was a really huge, like, there was so much drunk driving mm-hmm. by 16 year olds yeah. who had been at a party that they were not allowed to be at
0: and, had and putting other, yeah. like
1: themselves and other people at risk. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they needed, they had a way to rebel and mm-hmm. it was drinking. Yeah. Right? Like that was a huge problem. Same with yeah, like totally. Yeah. So yeah, talk to your kids like people. Um mm. and let them make informed decisions at an age appropriate level, obviously. Yeah. But you don't need cops
0: to survey them. God, that's morality squad. I know, right? What a vibe. I know. We should start a queer morality squad.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's so what would that even be like hey lateral violence is immoral be yeah, nice to yeah. <laughs> respect those pronouns yeah so. be like kind of like our safer space
0: yeah policy just much. Yes. loud much oh that's kind of hilarious it kind of is Um oh, we could have a few youth that monitor The guidelines, and we could call them the morality squad. See, we can reclaim anything. We
1: would get in so much trouble, but I love it so much. That's (laughs) an extremely fun idea.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So I listened to this lecture and immediately wanted to talk about it with Kelsey. And Um, here we are. So
0: here we are. Um. Do you have any courage, voice? uh yes, I do. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I have like one that goes with another one. So okay, let's I hear it. became a, a real life gunkle. Yeah, on Friday. I have a niece. Um, it's actually it's Steph's brother's kid, not my brother's kid. Um, but so like that's kind of it. But actually, so I have trauma with tiny humans, and I have this weird thing where I like I don't grow attached to tiny tiny humans because I have a lot of history with. Being able to watch my siblings grow up for a very, very small chunk of their lives when they were very, very small and then being kind of cut off. So yeah, I'm kind of the type of person where I'm was like, I hate babies and I hate tiny kids. And like, I don't, I would never want one for myself, but I think that I am, it's just kind of like, I'm going to protect myself from like yeah, losing right. this tiny youth. Right. So anyways, so I had the cutest experience. My lovely brother-in-law is like, he's something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he's something um but he's probably one of the most affirming people ever and he really friggin tries and it's actually so sweet because apparently steph was on the phone with her mom and her brother um and was talking to them about how i want to be called gunkle and of course like her brother was like gunkle like what does that mean like the typical like whatever and then so, so originally, Steph talked to her brother for an hour and was like, "Kelsey wants to be call- called Gunkle," and he was like, "Well, what does that mean?" And then she was like, "Okay, well," and she explained what it means, and she explained that I use she they pronouns, yeah, and like all this, and he was like, "Oh, okay, whatever." And then they talked later in the day, and yeah. she was on speakerphone with her mom and her brother, and she was like, "Yeah," or Mackenzie said something about Gunkle. Yeah, he was like Gunkle, and Julie Steph's mom was like. What's Gunkle? Like, what is this? Yeah. And Mackenzie's response was, Oh, well, you know, like, that's what, that's what Kelsey's other kids call her. Like, they just call her Gunkle. And don't, you know, like, Kelsey uses she, they pronouns. And like, I didn't know what that meant, but I Googled it and this is what it means. So, like, it makes sense for Kelsey to be a Gunkle mom. It's just going to be what it is. That's just, it's just Gunkle Kelsey. And I wasn't even here for this conversation, right? But Steph was telling me afterwards, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have just developed like I have goosebumps even now because I'm like, well, now I'm really connected to this friend yeah. kid, right? Because just that affirming thing where he was like, and just so matter of factly to I his love, mom. I love the matter of fact allies, right? Well, it's just Kelsey uses the she they pronouns. Mom, well, like, they like, like, yeah, like that. That makes sense. So obviously, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I love and it. Like, god the comfort that came with him being like well i left the conversation and i googled it and it's like and now he's taking it on himself to teach everybody what combination pronouns are adorable i love it allyship good job oh what's your queer joy um
1: i i kind of have two one's from a couple weeks ago because we recorded we haven't recorded in a bit Mm. um so when i read i listened to this audiobook um called daughter of the moon goddess which Mm -hmm. is like very typical YA and I absolutely loved it because I haven't read that kind of stuff in a while Mm -hmm. and I was like oh shit this is great um and then like I actually (laughs) bit the bullet and restarted my audible subscription just so I could listen to the second one and didn't have to wait love that (laughs)
0: love that
1: for you (laughs) but it was so good and I loved it and there's yeah like there's you know a queer couple Mm -hmm. in it like it's not the main people but it's like yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's really cute and sweet. And then on Friday, I got to go to a hockey game with my family. Cute. And the, our team played really, really badly, but it was fun.
0: <laughs> I say cute like I wasn't there. Yeah. But I was also there. But yeah. I didn't see you, which was kind of disappointing. I looked for you. Mm. We did. Me and the person next to me, when you walked out to drop the puck, we're like, get the Paige was like oh you know Becca's here and like they're cute little like high heels and like you know dressed up I was like oh you mean the way Becca goes to everything except for work <laughs> like oh <my> <laughs> always dressed to the nines yeah I like dressing up I know um, I, did, I think I did like kind of somewhat see Jacob but I'm holding things against him oh Jacob and nice. I are in a lover's quarrel and we don't even know each other well <laughs> enough to be lovers makes it sound weird it um
1: he did learn his lesson from that we talked about that good yeah good, good bro yeah
0: kelsey is a reference for my brother what we've just, what we've learned at out loud all we have is brothers yeah because like page has brothers. a brother i have a brother and a brother-in-law and you only have a brother there's yeah. no sisters no so like i feel like we're just all and they're all younger they are so we're all just big siblings yeah
1: to tiny brothers Well, and yeah, I have elected myself Paige's big sibling Mm -hmm. uh, because they need one desperately. I know. (laughs) They were talking about something and I was like, okay, I'm going to make myself your big sibling here because you need some advice and it's killing me.
0: (laughs) We're just a big old family.
1: We are. Um, Yes, that's my career joy. I love that. Yeah. It was a good hockey game. Actually, I don't know. I didn't see any of the hockey games. It was our defense must have got a hell of a talking to after the first period because they thought they were forwards Um, and there were like three breakaway goals that
0: should not have happened I think my favorite thing about this is that the only person that had any idea why they were there is you (laughs) because like we were all there yeah but I was like I don't do sports I mean
1: yeah I didn't actually talk to you I got to talk to one of our youth and then like Paige and terry mm. and some of our juniors were sitting right I behind saw me I yeah are like little little juniors that was really sweet they were very sweet yeah and they were like their parents were sitting on like mm-hmm. one end of the row and then like all the kids were grouped together yeah. it's really cute Cute. so yeah so i said hi to them um, i love it yeah that's it so, that's all. yeah thanks for joining us um i'm sure as i continue this rabbit hole we will more stuff like this um thanks for joining us be kind of yourself brothers and we'll see you next time thanks, bye.